1: Hi, and welcome to an episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today, Dr. Emron Meyer, a gastroenterologist, neuroscientist, and distinguished research professor at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. He is one of the pioneers and leading researchers in the biodirectional communication with the brain-gut microbiome system with wide-ranging applications in intestinal and brain disorders. He's published over 410 scientific papers, books, and is currently working on a PBS documentary about the mind-gut connection. Thank you, doctor, for joining me today.
0: Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure.
1: So you wrote a book called "The Mind Gut Connection: How the Hidden Conversation Within Our Bodies Impacts Our Mood, Our Choices, and Our Overall Health." First, I want to know why did you write the book, and
0: then we can talk about what the
1: book relays.
0: Well, um, I've I've always had the uh, the wish to you know to write a book. Long, long before, even you know, when I was still in medical school, and um, but the the actual uh, event that that triggered this particular book was that we published a a paper, a scientific paper, on showing the effect of the ingestion of a probiotic cocktail in healthy young women on on brain networks and brain functioning. So. After this paper was published, there was a an unexpected storm of interest from um, you know from from literary agents, um, from from publishers, and yeah. So it, it took about a year of negotiations until I had a deal. Um, very surprising that I got such a deal for a first time author. And then it took me another year to write the book and. Yeah, it got me into a totally different world of um, of authorship. Uh, very different from the scientific world.
1: I am sure of that. I'm sure the writing itself was different because you're writing for a different audience, right?
0: Yeah, the writing style was very different. Very, um, I wasn't used to that at all. Um, and um, I, I think it was a real good um, experience, a learning experience that, you know, made it much easier when I wrote my second book that got the immune connection. So that, you know, like all the the, the learning process in the, from the first one helped to do that. Um, but I have to say that uh, that first book was kind of a combination of the science that we had published, but also there was a lot of autobiographical stuff in it. Um, so it was it was fun to to, to write it. That's great.
1: So in our culture, we like to think of issues that occur above the neck, right? And issues below the neck. Can you talk to us about the relationship between the whole body, the emotional and physical health system? Because we can't cut them off in certain ways like that.
0: Yeah, so this dichotomy in, in brain and mind and body, you know, it's the famous Cartesian split from this famous French uh, philosopher who basically left the brain and everything the brain was thought to do, like spiritual, religious um, activities to the church and the body to science. And surprisingly, I mean, that split has really persisted, um, you know, for several centuries and is still really prevalent today in, in medical school curricula. It's present in... The way psychiatrists, many psychiatrists, see patients, they just look at the at the what's what's above the neck, and don't pay that much attention to what's below the neck, and um, with you know the medical practitioners, they do the opposite; they ignore the brain, and it's 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 gradually changing. Um, so there's a the gradual evolution to a more holistic view of of brain-body interactions and, you know, mind-body interactions. I would say mind-body interactions has always been kind of a popular topic amongst, uh, you know, amongst healers and people outside the traditional medical system. So what's now gradually getting accepted is, is that the brain and the body are closely interconnected and within the body it's particularly the gut, you know, which is really the focus of my book, that, that uh, has the most amazing connections, bidirectional connections between, with, with the brain. Can you give me an example of what that would look like? So, I mean, you can look at this in different ways. You can look at it, you know, anatomically. So we now know that there's pathways for example the vagus nerve that transmits signals from the gut to the brain um, and there's the autonomic nervous system that sends signals from the brain down to uh, you know down to the gut and this is a circular communication system whatever happens in the brain has a reflection and at the gut level whatever happens at the gut level has a reflection in the in, in, in the brain and that's why I call these interactions, not just the brain-gut axis, but a brain-gut system, and you know what we have missed in this in this model that I've kind of pursued in my career for the last several decades. But what we have missed until about ten years ago was the role of the microbes in the, in those bidirectional communications between the brain and uh, and the gut. And just give you a few examples, you know. Uh, So beyond this communication pathway, the vagus nerve, um, the gut is a pretty unique organ. It's not there just for digestion. um, And if something goes wrong, we stick an endoscope um, in it and look for ulcers or inflammation or tumors. It's it's a system that's composed of multiple components. It has about 80% of the body's immune system in it. It has the biggest nervous system outside of our brain in it, with hundred million neurons or nerve cells. Um, it has one of the biggest hormonal systems in it, like all the hormones that play a role, for example, in in satiety and makes you stop eating, um, or in the gut. Um, and then we have, the, you know, the the, the hundred tr- the forty trillion microbes that that live in in this system and communicate with all these other cells I told you, with the immune cells, the endocrine cells, um, and, and the nerve cells. So you could almost say it's it's another little, I mean, in the way that I look at it in the terms of system biology, there's, it's a system with multiple connections and it has two hubs in it. Um, one is the brain and the other one is, is the gut. Um, and that, that system plays a fundamental role in maintaining our, you know, what we call homeostasis, the, the balance of all systems uh, from the nutritional standpoint, from the emotional standpoint. Uh, we wouldn't have suspected this um, in in Western medicine, um, the, this complexity. But, you know, hundreds of years ago, um, uh, the, the, you know, th- philosophers said, all diseases start in the in the gut, you know um, so ancient healing systems have recognized that that very same system and its complexity in Western medicine, because of this dichotomy between between brain and body and and, and gut, it never really became sort of a an important concept until now it's and you know and now. I would say in the last five to ten years, this interest has exploded. Um, it was a very interesting phenomenon for me, having you know followed this concept both in my research and with my patients, but never really got traction in in the scientific community and the medical community. That this is now happening, um, at and, and at what speed and intensity is really remarkable, you know. So
1: absolutely you were a real pathfinder in this conversation and i think that your book your conversation your papers have gotten people talking but i'll bet you felt like you were whistling in the dark in the beginning
0: (laughs) yeah and if that microbiome revolution that really triggered the interest quite honestly you know if it hadn't been for the surprisingly Hadn't been for the microbes, people would still not be interested in it.
1: So, what's
0: a microbe? I'm going to back us up even further
1: for our audience who are not medical
0: professionals or scientists. What's a microbe? So, microbial organisms are um, the bacteria. You know, the 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 most important form is a group called archae. There's there's viruses. so there's there's a range of of microorganisms that um, that all live in our gut um, and that somehow have established a um, a symbiotic way to live to, to live together and benefit each other. You know, it's a clear symbiosis, for example, between the viruses and the and the bacteria and the fungi and the bacteria. So you almost have to look at this as a you know, our gut is kind of a a country that hosts with-, with It's an ecosystem.
1: Different. It's an ecosystem with its own natural flora and fauna,
0: right? Yeah, so it's, uh, well, I mean, there's no um, flora, so there's no plants in okay. it, you know? Uh, okay, but, but I'm, but, but, but I'm but, thinking- but, Yeah, no, right. but, but yeah. definitely, yeah, the ecosystem concept is clearly something that totally applies to um, looking at this. And, uh, you know, it's also reflected like in the scientific um, scientific expression. So now we call about the brain connectome, which means that all the uh, cells and networks in the brain are interconnected. I like to, I picked up this term, the gut connectome, because all these cell types that I mentioned to you are connected with each other. And there is the the microbiome um, and the virome um, that th- they are all these ecosystems that overall you know work together um, and ultimately to understand how they function and how they um, disturbances in this function happens um, and causing disease you know like cancer like diabetes uh, metabolic syndrome i think we're really going to come to a full understanding of that only when we once we understand the complexity of these various ecosystems that that exist within us
1: so it makes sense to me that the gut would would control you know diabetes or some of the more organ related issues but what does disorder in the gut and i'm using that word um how does that impact our emotional health and what are the symptoms we would tend to see?
0: Um, again, it's, um, I would come back to this. So anything that happens in the brain, like within our emotional circuits within the brain, you know, it it, it creates a mirror image in our face. People are familiar, if, if, if they look at somebody, you know, they can tell if this person is sad or angry or anxious. Uh, just looking at the face, and it is created by the facial muscles, um, which reflect the ongoing activity within, you know, within these brain circuits. But you have to imagine exactly the same thing happens at the gut level. So these emotions that you see on the face, and it go on, that start within the brain, create this mirror image at at the at the gut level, and it changes. Uh, Everything that goes on down there it changes the blood flow, it changes the contractions, it changes the secretion of acid or mucus, um, and it also changes. So it changes the habitat of the microbes because they are really adapted to living with the gut that they're used to. So if all of a sudden you you develop PTSD or develop depression, all of a sudden they live in a different environment. Um, in in the gut. And um, so that's one, that's the top-down. But then this top-down influence doesn't stay in the gut. It influences cells like the hormonal cells in the gut and uh, the microbial cells that live there that produce substances, chemicals, that feed back to, to the brain, either through the vagus nerve or through the systemic circulation. Um, so there's multiple communication pathways that feed back what happened in the gut back to the brain. And it reinforces this in a circular way. So if you have an emotion of anxiety, depression, anger, it doesn't just happen at the brain level. It starts at the brain, but then it you know, reverberates throughout the whole bring up microbiome system and ultimately creates this um, this this emotional state and you know the question is I mean the brain could do all this by itself you know for a long time until 10 years ago we never thought about a potential role of the microbes in this so there's elaborate neurobiological psychiatric theories how emotions are generated and how early life experiences shape the emotions. And so all of a sudden you throw in this, this whole new part into it, which is massive in terms of numbers, you know, 40 trillion cells. And, um, so now I think we are gradually developing a, a different, a different concept of emotion, something that goes on, um, you know, within us, but then there's also the, projections and the feedback from the outside world. So, you know, we're fully integrated And this, there's not, uh, you know, I mean, emotions are not just something that happens at at, at the brain level, a brain in a bottle would not function the same way as our brain in the that's deeply embodied, you know, in our, in our body. And it's deeply ingrained in the environment as well. So, um, it's and and i always feel you know many of these concepts actually they have existed in ayurvedic medicine and in uh hippocratic medicine in traditional chinese medicine it's just something that we have been blind to you know since since the renaissance you know since since our modern solely scientifically based uh medicine uh, you know came to age and now we're returning to it incorporating these more holistic, uh, what we now call systems based concepts.
1: And it makes so much sense. The other the other assumption doesn't make sense. But I know that that's where we lived.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, it's not a surprise that we have not been very successful um, in developing effective therapies for depression. Um, You know, the same basic M- uh, molecules that are targeted at the serotonin system have been around for decades, you know, the same thing in with anxiety. Um, and, you know, now we're realizing that other types, holistic therapies, like cognitive behavioral therapy or stress reduction using your body as well you know, are, are an important component and we even-
1: And then, yeah, just to interrupt, so they're not, those therapies aren't just dealing with the neck up, they're actually calming the whole system, correct? Which is why exactly. the feedback loop stays clear.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like, so breathing, you know, moving the diaphragm has a very important effect in regulating vagal tone um, and, you know, calming the mind. But then there's also these, uh, you know, these new exciting approaches that you know, have, have come about in, in psychiatry primarily with, there's a concept now called nutritional psychiatry that the kind of diet that we eat has an influence on, on emotional function and that uh, an effective treatment for anxiety and depression um, and schizophrenia and others, Um, benefits from having a nutritional component in it. So something that was unthinkable, really, I would say 10 years ago. And then we also have other um, plant-based therapies that are emerging are evolving rapidly, like all these psychedelic, um, you know, mushroom therapies that are coming. Which I'm convinced is this has not happened yet, but I'm absolutely convinced that they also affect the gut because the same, the same receptors that these psychedelics affect in the brain are in the gut, in the enteric nervous system, uh, and probably also even on microbes. You know, so I, I think the these the apparent effectiveness of these new therapies um, are based on a shared set of language molecules, you know, and receptors that exist both at the brain level and at the gut level and the microbial level. So
1: what you what I'm hearing is both the brain and the gut speak mushroom. And so that they can they can both receive the the benefit potentially or whatever the the medicine is designed to do.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah and there's still a long way to go, you know, but um, I mean, mushrooms also have very interesting um, pharmaceutical properties um, that you know different mushrooms have different nutritional components and molecules that are have a health benefit Um, but also they have this these effects on uh, on the on the brain that we don't know why evolution came up with that design you know why why would our human brains um, respond to something that grows you know, that grows in the forest. So it's, it's, it's an interesting time, you know, it's, it's kind of a revolutionary time and, and the, yeah. the brain gut microbiome science is definitely some uh, a, a new science that is pushing the limits on that.
1: Before we leave today, what I'd love to know is what steps can we change change or take to achieve optimum health, taking the brain gut
0: system into account? Well, there's a there's a simple answer and that would be but it's a reductionistic answer that would just say eat a healthy diet and exercise on a regular basis um, healthy diet means a diet that is is targeted to provide optimal health to your gut microbial ecosystem uh, because microbes love fiber and microbes love these polyphenol molecules they both of these are mainly contained in a plant-based diet. So sticking to a largely plant-based diet is probably the best thing that you can do. Um, obviously, you need to make sure you get enough omega-3 fatty acids, but it's fairly simple you know, if you stick to that. Um, avoid um, highly processed. I mean, avoid the standard American diet with all its downsides. don't want to get into that. The other thing is the exercise, and the exercise is both the vigorous exercise that you would do in the gym or running or um, or biking, which you should do five days a week for at least an hour and push up your heart rate. And then there's the other interesting thing is you know we've gone into such a sedentary lifestyle in the last seventy five years, which paralleled the, the the deterioration of our diet so interrupting your daily schedule when 90 percent of americans are sitting for the great majority of these 16 hours of being awake interrupting that with frequent you know five to ten minute interruptions of some light physical exercise Um, and then there's other things make sure that your sleep is um you know, they, they don't compromise your, your sleep. You should have eight hours of restful sleep. If you wake up in the morning uh, and don't feel rested, there's something wrong with it. You have to really work on this. Um, and um, yeah, I would say that those are really the, 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 the three major, doing something for your mind. Some meditative practice um, is clearly another uh, component. And I've shown him, in in, 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 I've written about this in my books, all these four strategies, they interact, they all have been shown to influence the gut. They all have been shown to influence the gut microbes. Um, And they all have been shown to actually contribute to healthy longevity. Uh, So I would say the the, the recommendation is fairly simple, straightforward, um, and I think... It starts with analyzing your own lifestyle and see how far are you deviating from that.
1: That's a depressing endeavor on this account. So thank you very much for your sage advice. For those listeners, if you've enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast with Dr. Meyer, please like us on your platform of choice. Thank you, doctor.
0: Thanks again for having me on your show. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources, and sign up for our newsletter.